And I cannot tell you how wonderful it is to have someone claim faith in Jesus Christ as a result of your touch in their life. It's humbling. But that's when we become the aroma of life to others. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Today we're picking up again in Ephesians chapter 5. This letter is to the church of Ephesus. This letter is to believers in Jesus Christ. And he spent the first three chapters dealing with what is coming in heaven's glory and all that we have already obtained as believers in Jesus Christ. And in chapters four through six, he gets very practical as to how we are to live as believers in the current world that we're in. And we are to put on the new man and to put on the new man, you have to, or woman, you have to put on Christ. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. We've been taught if there's a therefore, you have to look back to see what it is there for. And some of that includes putting off the old man, putting on the new But really, verse 32 possibly could have been the beginning of chapter 5, verse 1. Remember that the chapters and the verses are not inspired. They were inserted there by man to help us find our way through Scripture. And he said, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. Therefore, so as a result of God's work in our life through Christ Jesus, his forgiveness that he has given to us through faith in Jesus Christ. We are to be kind to one another. We are to be tenderhearted. We are to forgive one another. We are to be imitators or followers of God. The Greek word for imitators there, it's where we get our word mimic from, and it means to imitate, to follow after someone. It's used 11 times in the New Testament, and there's basically four different ways that this word is used. It's used of those that we are to imitate or follow those who follow Jesus. Now, years ago, and it goes way back to when I was in my 20s, but 
My dad would have an evangelist. He was rather young, just a few years older than me at the time. But he would come and he'd preach revivals at my dad's church. And one of his catchphrases was, get your eyes off of me and get them on Christ. Don't follow me, follow Christ. And, you know, it seemed like, yeah, that makes sense. Until I started reading around scripture for myself, where I find that Paul often would say, follow me as I follow Christ. And I think sometimes there's this attitude of us as believers. I'm not the person, and that's true. You're not to become a a follower of John in the sense that John can save you because I can't. But if I have my eyes upon Christ, and if I'm following after Christ, then in the sense of teaching you how to walk as a believer then I should be able to say, follow me as I follow Christ. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, imitate me, it's the same word, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. In Philippians 3.17, brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. He said, follow me and follow the others who walk in like faith, Because in us, you have a pattern by which you can walk after. In Hebrews 13, 7, the writer of Hebrews says, Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Those who rule over, speaking about the apostles, the bishops, the pastors, those who speak the word of God to you, whose faith follow it, it means that you follow after their faith that they have put into Jesus Christ. But consider also, there in Hebrews 13, 7, consider the outcome of their conduct. Look at their lives. Examine their lives. One of the things I did before I got involved with the Calvary Chapel movement, before I ever went to the school of ministry and learned from Calvary Chapel, is that I examined, I looked over the ministry of Calvary Chapel and especially the ministers of the churches that were part of the Calvary Chapel movement. And since I went to Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa to go to the school of ministry there, I looked at the life of Pastor Chuck Smith. And although we have different upbringings, I liked the outcome of his life. One of the things that attracted me to the Calvary Chapel movement that I got tired of in my own denomination that I was part of and that I was raised in, there are three things that basically attracted me. One was the teaching of the Word of God verse by verse. One was the belief in the gifts of the Holy Spirit for today. But the third thing was a big deal to me is that the pastors who founded their churches, for the most part, remained at their churches. Where I was in a denomination at the time, pastors were only by average staying 18 months. It's like every year and a half you get a new guy in, and where do you build faith in that? I, they were so used to it. I remember one of the guys I went to high school with, he goes, I like getting new pastors. It, it like breathes a breath of life into the fellowship. You know, that first year is always the honeymoon period. Everybody's nice to each other. Pastor's nice to the people. The people are nice to the pastor. And then they discover through that first year of what they're like marriage. 
what everybody's really like, and you start rubbing on each other. And if you're going to have an effective ministry, well, you have those next two or three years to really kind of get to know each other and say, you know what, I can live with this person, I can do work with this person or not. But if a pastor keeps leaving before he has that opportunity to really work through what would birth into an effective ministry, then I see there's no hope in that. And so I was attracted. I was looking at the outcomes in the church denomination I was part of. Pastors would move on and on and on. My own dad was a pastor of this denomination, although he stayed and remained at his fellowship prior to him. Every six months or year or so, they had a new pastor. A lot of the guys were so old, they were just dying on them. But by the time my dad got there, he got there and he stuck. And ministry began to take place at that point. So examine. Look at their lives. So we're to imitate, follow those who follow after Jesus. We're also to imitate or follow the churches who suffer for Christ. And we have... Here in 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, also in, in chapter 2, verse 14, he talks about the suffering church. He's talking to the church of Thessalonica, and he says, You became followers of us and the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Acacia who believe in 1 Thessalonians 2.14, For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans. Now, you guys, many of you know that I went to Africa a couple of years ago, almost two years ago now, but one of the Africans I met, his name was Lino. Easy for me to remember because I was raised around Waukegan and there's Lino's subs. Um, if you want a good sandwich, go to Lino's. But um, I just never heard anybody, I don't know, remember anybody being named that before. But he was a man that I sat with and I talked with. And you could tell he was uncomfortable with Americans. And, but he would share his stories and you had to listen closely and you had to really be intent when he was speaking because although he spoke, I believe, very good English, it was an English from England that they have learned and so a little bit different. But he was a man who fought off 10 guys who were trying to break into one of the far-reaching ministries' homes. Bob and Susan, who was here a couple of months ago, they oversaw that house for two years, but just prior to our coming, Bob wasn't there. And just right before we got there, so Bob and Susan hadn't started that ministry yet. And Lino was in the house by himself. And one of the security guards asked for a glass of water. He did something he wasn't supposed to do at nighttime, opened the door to give them water. He was attacked and he fought five guys. They bound him probably on the bed I slept on because they told me it was back in the room where I, area where I was at, that they bound him, um, duct taped his mouth closed as he fought, and they went to um, rob the house, get what they could get out of it. And uh, he bit through the duct tape, bit through his bindings, and went to the kitchen and 
grabbed five knives and stuck four in his pockets, took one in his hand, and he went after these guys. Five of them, when they saw him come back the second time, they just left. But the other five, he fought. And he'd already been stabbed at this point himself, and he took the knife out of his leg and stabbed another. I mean, this guy's a warrior. And the whole time he said while he was laying on that bed, is his faith is, God, I'm not supposed to die protecting a house. I'm supposed to die in battle. He's a, a chaplain for the southern Sudanese army. And his greatest honor to Lino is that he would die in battle, defending the faith of his nation. They sent a prayer magnet that we have hung on our fridge at home, and it's a picture of Lino in his uniform. It's like, I know him. Be an imitator of, man, what faith? How many of us would say, Lord, I'm not supposed to die here. I'm supposed to die in battle. Let me add it. Let me go for it. And I think that's why it's inserted here that we're to be imitators or followers of the churches who suffer for Christ, because those who suffer for Christ... They endure the suffering through great faith. And I think many churches who know no suffering, they lack also then in having great faith. Number three, we're to imitate or follow our Lord Jesus Christ and God himself. We read that in 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, that Paul said, you became followers of us and the Lord. And here it's in Ephesians 5, 1. Followers of God as dear children. Therefore, be followers of God. We're to look not only at other men and women of faith to set as an example before us, but we're to look into the word of God itself and to mimic the life of God, the life of Jesus Christ. It's harder to say God because he is without body. He's a spirit. But we're to mimic the compassion, the things that we read about him to be long-suffering, to be compassionate, to be merciful. And the 11th time that this word is used, it's used in the negative, and it's telling us what we are not to imitate or to follow. We're not to imitate or follow the way of the world. In 3 John verse 11, Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. For he who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. So we're not to imitate the world. We are to become followers of God as dear children. We're to walk in love. And this is agape love. There's three different terms in the Greek that are found in Scripture for in the New Testament, that is, for love. This one is agape or agape, and it's the greatest sense of, of the word love that we could possibly try to define. And it's hard to define the word. But Paul has said a bit about this agape love in the book of Ephesians already. In chapter 3, verse 17, he says we're to be rooted and grounded in love. In chapter 4, verse 2, we're to bear with one another in love. That's harder, isn't it? I want to be rooted and grounded in love, but I don't want to bear with one another in love. Lord, you're asking too much. You don't know that person. He does know. And he knows what it takes to be a family and a fellowship. In Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love. 5.1, to walk in love. To walk is a peripateo in the Greek. It means to tread all around and, and think of snow. Because that's all we can do right now. Because it's not snowing this winter so far. I'm not that disappointed. 
But when it snows, I think it's the prettiest before you get out and start knocking it down. And I always love to look out the window, see the snow, and then you got to go deal with the snow. And it's not as fun then, unless you're a kid and it's a snow day. But let's pretend that we're kids. We get a snow day. Our bodies will allow us to go sledding like they used to. Wipe out, no big deal. Just climb up that mountain and get on the sled again. It's not like it used to be, I know. But treading down the snow, the paths that you make, it's talking about your walk of life. Wherever you go, wherever you're treading around, it's how we live and conduct ourselves as believers. We're to walk in the agape love of Christ. We're to mimic Jesus by loving others sacrificially, by giving of ourselves, our very lives as an offering and a sacrifice to God, a sweet-smelling aroma. I like this verse in 2 Corinthians two fifteen, and then also verse 16, but he says, We are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. We are to God the fragrance of Christ. And as we walk in love, as we imitate God and function in this world, we become this fragrance of Christ to others around us. To some, it's death leading to death. We, it smells like death because they reject the gospel, the testimony of Jesus Christ. And they see the example before them in our lives. But to others, it becomes this aroma of life because it leads to life. It leads to them accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior. And I cannot tell you how wonderful it is to have someone claim faith in Jesus Christ as a result of your touch in their life. It's humbling. But that's when we become the aroma of life to others. They look at us and say simply, I want what you have. I don't understand it, but I want what you have. They watch you as you go through trials. They watch you as you go through difficult circumstances of life. And we all go through them. They're various. They're all different. Maybe some are similar in some ways. But we all go through difficult and hardship, hard times. And people watch when Kevin had the heart issue, had to have a defibrillator put in. He was in the hospital for 11 days. I told him, Kevin, I know you're going through this hard and difficult time. I said, but you are a pastor here at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa, and people are watching how you handle this. They're looking at your life. And I'm saying this from a guy who's never had to have a defibrillator put in. So easier said than done. Wait till it's your turn, John. And I hope that I can be like Pastor Chuck. I want to imitate people like that. I want to be like that. And it's only Christ working in us that can help us have that fragrance of Christ in our lives. We're to walk in agape love of Christ. We're to become the aroma of life to others. For some, it'll be that aroma of death because they'll reject the testimony of Jesus Christ. But to others, they'll come to faith. And there's nothing more beautiful than to have the awesome privilege that God has given us to imitate him. 
by walking in love, just as Jesus Christ, our Lord, walked in this sacrificial love for us, we also should walk in this love as an offering, a sacrifice to God, a sweet-smelling aroma. Now he changes. He's flipping back, looking at the old life once again, and beginning in verse 3, he says, But fornication and all uncleanness, covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for the saints, neither filthiness or foolish talking or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Giving of thanks. We'll get to that in a moment. But he lists off several things here that we're not to be doing as a church. He even says they're not fitting for us as saints. Fornication. In the Greek, it means any unlawful sexual sin. It can go from prostitution to adultery to premarital sex. Anything that is outside the bounds of acceptable sexual relations in Scripture, which is one woman, one man in the bounds of marriage. Anything else is fornication. Uncleanness. It, it speaks about an impurity that could be either physical Moral, spiritual, covetousness. I think you guys know what that means, but it's this want of more and more, irregardless of what your need is. You don't need it, you just want it. Filthiness, uh, shamefulness, it's described as obscenity, a repulsiveness, a baseness. Foolish talking. I think we get the word moron from this. Greek word from part of it because it begins with a very similar spelling of moron. One of the commentators said buffoonery. Don't use that word too much. I don't any longer. But a talk which is foolish and stupid, um, indecent, dirty. When I worked on the jobs, uh, they would go around. It would happen. And I would find Christians say, you know how it is on the job, and they'd talk about cussing. It's, it's around you all the time. I said, yeah, I know how it is. I also learned that I was able to set an example of how not to be that way. When I was a boss, at one point, there was this Playboy-like material put on one of the cut saws, and... Uh, I took it off, and I told the guy running that saw, I was the foreman, and I said, we're not going to have this on this job site. I just shut it down, trashed the thing. So it's not going to be here. And so we can set the example. We don't have to make an excuse for it. Of course, jesting. This one is the one that stabs me a lot because it's talking about having a quick wit. But in Scripture, it's always referred to the negative. So somebody says something and you return it right back and you cut them down. Because you're quick at wit, you can take and turn a phrase and turn it right back on a person. It's always in the negative. Me and my cousin, Ken, um, we practiced on each other with this. We sharpened our wit for the negative. And then I find in Scripture we shouldn't be doing that. We never meant anything by it. But I've learned through the years that harm can come from it. And you can get so good at it that you can say something, you can hear something, they set themselves up, you chop them down, and you can hurt people with your words. 
These things, fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, filthiness, foolish talking, coarse jesting, are not fitting for believers and are not even to be named among us. But sadly, here in the United States and the churches, all these things are named. And over the years of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa being in existence, all of these things, maybe not all at once, but they've all been named here. And it's not supposed to be. But we are all guilty of these things. We think about our past life. We think of history and someone saying that it's his story. If you divide the word history, it's all about Christ. Christ wanting to live in us. Christ wanting to live through us. And we've been called this day to be followers of God, to walk in love, to be this offering and sacrifice to God, this sweet smelling aroma, to be a people that give thanks with the fruit of our lips, to not partake in the darkness of the world, but to be children of the light because we are light in the Lord. Father, thank you for your word, and we ask that you would work in the midst of this fellowship this day through your Holy Spirit, Lord, that your word would penetrate into our hearts. Lord, work in our midst, I pray, this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.